Thank you for checking out our sermon here at New Grace. We are excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. It is our prayer that it is a blessing to you. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the message. First, we would love to connect with you. You can find us on Facebook at New Grace BC. Also, be sure to check out our website, reachingroanoke.com. There, you can find out more about who we are and where we are going as a church. Again, thank you for checking out our sermon here at New Grace. Please let us know of any questions you may have or any way that we can help you and your family. Enjoy the message. Psalm 39, and we'll begin there at verse 1. Read a few verses out of this uh, great psalm. Psalm 39. My wife Mona is here with me, and uh, glad that she is able to, to come as well. I'm glad we had this day open. Uh, we uh, normally are traveling or scheduled here and there, but uh, praise the Lord that God had this open for us, and uh, very grateful that we could come and share with you. Psalm 39, verse 1. It's a psalm of David. The Bible said, I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me while I was musing the fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days what it is, that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as an handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity, Selah. May God add his blessing to the reading and the preaching of his word. Let's pray together, please. Father, thank you for this wonderful blessing that you allowed my wife and I to be here. We've enjoyed the Sunday school and the singing and the fellowship, the worship time already. And God, we need to hear from you. And so we stand as your vessel this morning. Pray that you might use us in a very needful way. Speak to all of our hearts. May the Holy Spirit have freedom to move and work. You know our needs. You know things in our lives that, uh, that uh, better than we know ourselves. And so we pray, God, that uh, you'll visit us and meet all of these needs. If any are here without Christ, certainly it is our prayer, Lord, that they come to know Jesus even today. In his name we pray, amen. Some time ago, a poll was taken. And in this poll, if you believe polls or not, and a lot of them are just based on somebody's philosophy and idea and how they want things to go. But in this poll, there was a question that was asked. And the question was this, are America's best days behind her or ahead of her? America's best days, are they yet to come or have they already taken place? And the greater percentage of those who answered in this poll said her best days are behind her. In other words, the best has already come and gone. And I thought, well, that probably to some extent may be true, but if it is, not only is it sad, 
that that may be true, but what do we have to anticipate? What do we as people of this nation have to look forward to or to strive for? Nothing more than getting up every day and thinking in our mind, well, the good has already come and gone and the best is yet to, has already happened. And so, you know, what do I have to actually anticipate or to look forward to? We bring that down to a personal level. What about you and me in our lives? What about in our, our homes, in our marriages, in our families? Could we say that our best days of our family are behind us? My wife and I experienced the empty nest syndrome some years ago. And we have three children. They all are grown and have families of their own. And two of them live a good ways away. And we seldom see them other than through Skype or FaceTime or whatever those things are called. Uh, And yet we enjoy those days and those times. And we enjoy the grandchildren. But I miss those days when they were small. I miss those days when they were young and, and uh, we were going about as a, as a family. A lot of experiences. We've always laughed and had a, had a good time. We either laughed at ourselves or, or we laughed at somebody else. Usually laughing at somebody else. But we you know, could laugh at ourselves as well. I think God made us emotional people. And I was talking with a a preacher friend yesterday, and I said, you know, some, uh, uh, some people think it's a sin if you smile while you're in church. Some th- folks think it's wrong if you, if you have any emotion displayed whatsoever. You just sit stiff as a board and come and go, and, you know, that's it. I, I don't believe God intends for us to be that way. I don't think God made us to be that way. What about in our families What about in our marriages, in our homes? Are the best days behind us? Or do we yet have anything to look forward to? Bring it around to the spiritual realm. In the spiritual part of our life, as a church, do we have anything to really look forward to? Are the best days already come and gone? And we're just kind of hanging on until Jesus comes. Many years ago, when I was a younger preacher... An older gentleman, the pastor in those days said, uh, you know, if you can just kind of keep a little group together, hold a little group together in these days, then you're doing a good thing. And I didn't know a lot then. I know a little more now. But I knew this. If they're depending on me to hold a group together, they're in big trouble. And if that's all we have to look forward to is just trying to hold on to what we've got, and uh, then, then we're in a mess anyway. What about our church days? What about our Christian life? What about in reaching people? Are we just looking for days that are just coming and going and the best has already come and gone and we have nothing yet to look forward to? Or are there things yet to come? A preacher friend said to me some years ago, he said, you know, we're living in the days of gleanings. Days of gleanings. You know, in the harvest time, the reapers would come through and whatever was left over that they did not get, maybe the scraps we might call them, then the gleaners would come through and clean up uh, the scraps that was left. Now, they were commanded to leave some things out there deliberately. 
Some for the widows, some for the orphans, some for, you know, that crowd. They were to leave those things purposely for that crowd. But the gleaners would come through. And he said, we're just living in the days of gleanings. In other words, the main harvest and thrust has already come through and happened. And we're just kind of picking up the scraps that remain until Jesus comes. Again, that may be true to some extent. But I believe God has more for us than that. I believe this morning that uh, we can look forward to and believe that God has some handfuls of purpose for us. I love preaching out of the book of Ruth. And uh, uh, Ruth, as you know, is uh, Naomi. There was a man named uh, uh, Limelech, and uh, his name means my God is king. And his wife's name was Naomi, and her name means pleasant. And they had two boys, uh, uh, Melon and Chilion, and one name meant sick, another meant uh, failure. And, you know, uh, here they're going as a family. They lived in Bethlehem, Judah, which meant the house of bread. But a famine came along. Didn't seem like things was happening as they thought it ought to be. And so they thought they would take things in their own hands. You know, I've seen church members do that before. I've seen things come along in churches that maybe it wasn't progressing as they thought that it was going to and things just happening this way. And so they just pick up and on their own go here and there and they like grasshoppers, just church hop here to there to here to there and never settle in and never get anything going as would be needful in their life for the glory of God. And here they pick up and they go down to Moab and Moab was one of the uh, illegitimate children, we might say, uh, of a lot through his, one of his own daughters. Uh, the Melekites and the Moabites, those were, were descendants of that situation. And the Moabites is where they went to dwell. And the Bible says they not only went there, they didn't just take a vacation there for a few days, if that would be a vacation spot, but they went there and dwelt. They went there to remain. And the scripture says, out of God's will, here Elimelech died. And there's Naomi and her sons, and they married women of the, the Moabite women. One of them's name was Ruth, and in time those boys died. And, and Naomi says, we're going to go back. I'm going back to my homeland. I heard God has visited the people there, and so they returned. She and Ruth returns. And so Ruth says one day, let me go out to the field to glean. I want to go and pick up something that's out there that nobody else seems to want. God bless churches that'll reach out to communities and areas and cities and towns and places to try to reach those that nobody else seems to want. God loves those people. And Jesus died for those people. And uh, not only is missions important around the world, but missions is important right around the block and across the street and in this neighborhood and that neighborhood and God bless you for reaching out to all of them. And so she went out to glean. And the Bible says that her hap was that she stopped in the field of Boaz. And uh, that simply meant it just by chance she happened to go into this field. No, it wasn't by chance. God directed her path there. And she went out there and she's gleaning and gathering up this bit and that bit. And here comes Boaz, which was her kinsman redeemer. If you know that story, don't have time to get in all of that situation. But here comes Boaz and he looks out there and sees the people in the field and he sees this lady. And he says, my, my, who is that? Who is this? And his servant said, that's that Moabitish woman. 
And uh, she's the one who came back with Naomi. And uh, they, they knew all of those uh, things about her, the words that had been said about her. And uh, so he said, let her glean, let her go all through the, the field and let her take in what she desires. And so they were allowing that. And he said, bring her to my table. And he sat her there at the table. Said, any of the water you want to drink and eat all of this. And the scripture says that he reached her parched corn. I thought that's an interesting statement. I love word studies, so I, I looked up what this statement actually means. It meant that here she's sitting at the master, in a sense, table, and the master reaches over for her and sets before her what she enjoys. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The master knows exactly when we sit at his table what we are in need of, what our desires are if we're following after him. And he puts it right in front of us, right where we can reach it and enjoy it. And then she went out to glean again into the fields. And Boaz says to his servants, he said, let her alone and uh, let her glean all that she desires. And then he says in verse 16 of chapter 2, and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them, that she may glean them and rebuke her not. In other words, not only let her go out here and get all of the gleanings and the scraps and whatever that is there, but as you're going, I want you to take some handfuls of this harvest and just place it along the way, and she's going to find it, and she'll take those in and leave them there on purpose. I believe this morning with all my ransomed soul that God looks down upon individuals and upon churches and ministries and sees that they're out here seeking to win and reach people not only near but far and God has some handfuls of purpose that he'll drop along the way that will be a help to us and a blessing to us and meet every need in our life for his glory and his honor. I heard about little Johnny who went to the market years and years ago went to the market with his mama. And as they're going, his mama says, Now, Johnny, don't go in here and beg for anything because we don't have money to buy it and can't get it, so no need to mask. And Johnny says, Yes, ma'am. So they're going along. They get to the market, and, of course, Johnny wanders over into the candy aisle. And there he begins to focus on some things that he could really vision himself enjoying. He goes down that aisle and he looks at everything in there and his mouth is just watering and he has his hands in his pockets and he hadn't asked for a thing and hadn't said anything. He comes to the end of that aisle and there's a big barrel of cherries. And oh, how Johnny loved cherries. But he knew what his mama said. His mama said, don't ask. So he knew he better not ask. So he's standing there. And he's just eyeing those cherries. Well, here comes the manager of the store, and he says, Hi, Johnny. Like those cherries? Mm -hmm. well, reach out there and get you a handful of them and put them in your pocket. It's okay. Johnny just stands there. He urges him again, It's okay, Johnny. Just go ahead. He did that several times, and his mother recognize what's going on and she said it's okay son go ahead and take some of those cherries i i know i told you not to ask but the manager's saying it's okay you go go ahead he just stood there looking at those cherries thinking about them 
In a moment, the manager reaches over and gets a big handful this way and a big handful that way, and he just shoves them in his pocket and fills up Johnny's pockets. Johnny just smiles and says, thank you. They leave the store, and they're walking down the sidewalk, and his mama says, Johnny, I have a question. Yes, mama? I wonder why you didn't take those cherries when the manager was urging you and I even told you it was okay, that it was all right to take those cherries. Why didn't you reach out, take those cherries? Johnny was just finishing enjoying one of those cherries. About to reach in his pocket to enjoy another one. And he proved to his mama that he was a little smarter than she thought that he was. He looks up at his mama and he smiles. He says, because his hands are bigger than mine. (laughs) When God leaves some handfuls of purpose for us, You rest assured, friend, his hands are bigger than ours. And when God gives you a blessing, it blesses way down deep in your soul. And oh, friend, you don't forget those things. Are our best days behind us? Or are there anything yet that we have to anticipate? The old saying, the best is yet to come, is so true for those of us who know Christ as our Savior. I want you to think with me for a moment about the voice of God. You say, what does the voice of God have to do with the best days? Because we always want to see what God has to say about it. If God says, then that's fine. That's it. When I was growing up, I had two older sisters. I was the baby of the family. I still am. I was a mama's boy, and I still wear that badge proudly. My mama's 90 years old. And she doesn't know me when I get to see her, which is very seldom. She doesn't know me, but I said to my sister, we know who she is. And we know who, what she's done for us. And we thank God for it. But there would be times my sisters would come to me, you, you need to do this and do that, and you've got to get this done. And I'd say, who said? Mama, all right, I'll, do, I'll go get that done. That's all it was. That's what Mama said. And mama was the ruling authority at that time. My dad was gone a lot. And so what mama said goes. I'll tell you this morning, friend, what God says goes. If it's in this book, my friend, you can uh, mark it down. It's it's exactly what I need and what you need and what we're to follow. Uh, uh, We need to hear what God's voice says to us. Do you ever desire to hear God's voice? An evangelist friend said, I used to pray, God, speak to me. Speak to me. Then he said, I realized one day that's wrong. I shouldn't pray that because God is speaking. He said, now I pray God help me to listen as you speak. My mama used to say, boy, you let it go in one ear and out the other. I had my ears checked. Had them checked twice within the last, I don't know, two years or so. And both times... It was ladies who were doing the the checking, running the test. And both times they came and they said, uh, uh, Miss Ward, your your hearing's a little bit less in one of these ears. You have a hard time hearing high-sounding things like a woman's voice. I thought, ma'am, every man ever born and walked this face of this earth has that same problem. Hearing that voice, 
especially when ESPN is on or when the ball game is on and she stands right in front of you between you and the and you're trying to see and watch and what's going on and she's saying and you don't know two words. God is speaking and we uh, fail to hear him oftentimes because our, our focus is upon something else. Jesus said in Revelation 2 and 3, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. In God's creative acts, the Bible says, And God said, and it was so. In John chapter 7, the Bible says there were those of uh, the uh, authority of that day, of the Pharisees, that, that sent out officers to arrest the Lord Jesus Christ. They came back without him, and they said, Why did you come back without him? And they said, Never man spake like this man. Nobody's ever spoke to us or spoken uh, around us like this man speaks. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 and 29, it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, a great sermon on the mount, the people were astonished and said that he taught them as one having authority, not like the scribes do. Jesus is the authority. He is the very living word of God. In 1 Kings chapter 9 and verse 12, here is Elijah hiding in a cave, running from Jezebel after the great battle on Mount Carmel and seeing the fire of God fall. But he visioned this in his mind of Jezebel doing the terrible things to him that he had done to her prophets. And so he runs and hides in a cave. And while he's in the cave, there's an earthquake and there's a fire and there's a wind, but God's not in any of those. But the Bible Bible said, after all of that, there's a still, small voice. And that voice came through loud and clear. You know, God doesn't speak audibly today out loud as he once did. Jesus took Peter, James, and John upon the mount of what we call Mount of Transfiguration. And there Jesus was transfigured before them. They saw his, his raiment and, and himself glowing brighter than the sun at noontime. And uh, there was Moses and Elijah that appeared. And a voice from heaven spoke, said, This is my beloved son, hear ye him. God doesn't speak audibly like that anymore. But mark it down, friend. He speaks very clearly. Anytime we're in this book, anytime we hear the preaching or the teaching of this book, anytime that God begins to visit us, we hear his voice. It's a clear voice. It's a calling voice. He called, uh, he called Samuel to come and follow him. And Samuel thought it was Eli the prophet calling him. And then he said, uh, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. And God began to reveal to him what he desired. God calls us to follow him. It's a comforting voice. Jesus is the comforter. It's a commanding voice. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Thank God for the voice of God. And in these last days in which we're living, prior to the coming of the Son of God, my friend, there's great things to come. Why? Because God's still speaking. But think with me not only on the voice, but in the, on the vision in these days. Do we have a vision of good things to come? In our vision about church, when we think about church and serving God, do we reflect on just the good old days? 
Man, I remember those days. I remember meetings like that. And a lot of meetings that we go to overseas, the buildings are filled. You can't get anybody else in. In fact, they'll sit on the floor. They'll stand around the door and the windows. And like you said, hot as blazes. But I mean, they come and we thank God for all of that. And I hear people say, you know, it used to be that way here in our land. I've heard my parents talk about in days gone by that Church services going on, revival meetings, people to be sitting out there looking through the windows. They couldn't get in the building. And now we, we just hope to have a one-day revival meeting that where people would come and be a part of what's going on. What, what kind of vision do we have of good things that are to come? In the book of Haggai, chapter 2, verse 3 the Bible said, Who is left among you that saw this house in its first glory? And how do you see it now? Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law happy is he. Ezekiel 37 talks about God take, took Ezekiel in a vision out to a valley that was full of bones. And the Bible says they were dry bones and lo, they were very dry. God said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? He said, Lord, thou knowest, I don't know. You, you're God, you know. He said, prophesy to these bones. Get up and preach to those very dry bones, son. Get up there and begin to preach to those bones. Now, you think that's a foolish thing, but could I tell you this morning that there are people in this world, probably even in this city, thinks it's a foolish thing what we're doing here this morning? Foolish to waste our time on a beautiful Sunday morning to go to a place and hear a man yell and speak at me or, or talk about things like that. They don't have anything. The Bible says the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us that are saved, it is the power of God. It means something to us. It means something to God not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of somehow, but, as, uh, uh, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So Ezekiel began to preach to that valley of dry bones and the Bible says there was a shaking and a coming together. There was a noise and behold, a bone to his bone. And so God said these don't have, they had all together bone to bone but don't have any breath. Prophesied of the winds and he began to Preach and the winds came and put breath in them and they stood up an exceeding great and mighty army. Oh, we need a vision from God today that best days are not behind us but yet ahead of us that we could do something for him. Even me. I'm telling you, friend, I never dreamed that I would be standing where I'm standing. I never dreamed about being a preacher or, or pastoring people or going around the world to, to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. I never dreamed about those things, but God did. When I was saved at the age of 15 years old. I never knew that I would be a preacher, but God did. Those that led me to Christ didn't know it, but God did. And we may be sitting here this morning thinking, God could never use someone like me. I'm just a nobody. I'm, I'm shy. Can't speak to people. Can't do this or that. Listen, God can use anyone that's yielded to him. Not only a vision and voice, but think with me for a moment about the victories. That we should live in victory, not in defeat. 
Thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is said when the Spartans went into battle that they advanced with cheerful songs. They were willing to fight. They marched out in that manner, headed toward the battle, singing these songs and willing to go into battle. But when the Persians entered into conflict, you could hear the cracking of the whips, officers that would use them to drive the soldiers into the fray. And no wonder it said that a few Spartans were more than a match for thousands of Persians. They were willing to go, marching into victory. Onward Christian soldiers marching as to war. Oh, friend, should we not mount up today and rise up as Christian people in the work and ministry of the Lord to go forward? Charles Spurgeon said, if we were enthusiastic soldiers of the cross, through God's help, nothing would be able to stand against us. If we were enthusiastic soldiers of the cross. I went into an important place yesterday for, to achieve something for my wife and I. Yeah, it was a place to eat. That's important. And the dear young girl that waited on us seemed like she was about half asleep, literally. Bless her heart. And I stood there and watched as she would just go down the line and help this person and go down the line and help this person. And then she came to me and eyes about half open and she said, could I help you? I wanted to say, no, ma'am, I think I need to help you. If this is your enthusiasm about selling what you have, really, who's going to want to come in here and get this? Enthusiastic soldiers of the cross that God has saved us. We're only going to heaven, by the way. We're only going to escape hell, by the way. God didn't save us as a fire escape, but we have a message to tell and a blessing to share with someone along the way. Jesus lives. Uh, He came out of the grave. He's alive today and alive forevermore. And we're on our way to glory, praise God. I was preaching in Egypt, upper Egypt. You literally go south out of Cairo several hours and you come into a place called upper Egypt. Churches there are not like churches here. They don't have beautiful buildings like this. They don't have anything like we have. One fellow said, and rightfully so, what you think of heaven, most people in the world think about America. We've had them literally beg us to take them with us when we come back. And so we're in this building, and one level up is where the pastor lives. A very kind gentleman saw him just a few days ago, and he and his wife, and he has about three boys, and one of the boys came around, and, and we drink only bottled water, so he had a bottle of water, and he had a glass. So he poured water into it and handed it to me, and I drank it, and I thanked him for it. And then he took the same glass and the same bottle and went down to the next person and poured it up and handed it to them. So in my mind, immediately I'm thinking, now, who did he get to before he got to me? It, you know, it's a fellowship thing, but anyway... We said, and then the pastor said, I hear the people gathering and they're beginning to pray. So we went down one level and we enter into this room and there's people standing 
and they're praying. They speak in Arabic, and I don't understand all of what they're saying, but they're praying, and tears are coming down their, their face, and they're just praying. And as people come in, they don't say, now you pray, and you pray, and you pray. They just, as you, you want to pray, you begin to pray. And before long, the room begins to, to fill up more and more. And I'm standing there with them, and I'm praying. And in just a moment, Pastor, someone else walked in that room. His name is the Lord Jesus. Oh, my friend, you could tell without a doubt the Lord was there. And the people came in. The place was full. They had a section over here and all standing, even out toward the door. And in a moment, a guy got up over here, and he there was just a table, no instruments. And he just begins to you know, set a rhythm of a song. They began to sing out. And I'm telling you, it was great. And I preached that night, and the gentleman I worked with interpreted for me. Oh, it's so great and wonderful and powerful. And uh, he took the invitation. He said, if you want to trust Christ as your Savior, I want you to just stand up. And they began to stand all over that little room, all over here and over there. There was close to 30 of them stood and openly, out loud, asked Jesus into their heart and their life. I'm telling you, friend, just as I got up to preach, as he's introducing me, to, and I'm about to stand up, just as I stood up right at the door, it was a donkey that was tied. Everybody there has, you know, a donkey. And it's just a doorway. There's no door in it. There's just a doorway, and that donkey's tied. Just as I stood up to step over here to begin to preach, that donkey went, oh, 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 real loud. I said, there's my introduction right there. But I'm telling you, if a donkey can give his voice, in a meeting like that or in serving around people of God, why can't we lift our voice and praise the everlasting God, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world? There's, there's victories. There's volume. Volume in sound and sword and in size. Little as much if God is in it. But then there's the visitation of God. Talking about the best, is it behind us or ahead of us? God still visits his people. God still meets among his people. All is vain except the presence and power of the Holy One comes down. Have you felt God's presence? The Bible said that the Israelites sinned and one occasion saying, is the Lord among us or is he not? There are some folks who come to a service and set the entire service and go their way and wonder, was God there? But friend, listen, when God steps in, you don't have to wonder or question. You know exactly that the Lord is there. Has he come by your heart today and, and just knocked about it and said, hey, here's what something I can do for you. The Bible said when he came out of Jericho that there was a, a, a blind man sitting and he wanted to have his sight. And they, Jesus stopped and had the blind man brought before him and he said, what would you have me do for you? He could have said, Lord, I want you to take care of them people. They tried to make me be quiet. I want you to do something to them. He could have said, I'm just a beggar, have nothing. I want you to make me wealthy and famous. He could have said that, but he didn't. He said, Lord, that I might have my sight. And Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. 
And he opened his eyes, and the first face that he saw was that of the lovely Lord Jesus. And he went on his way following Jesus, praising the Lord. If Jesus stood before us this morning, and in a sense really he is, and he says, what would you have me do for you? Do you need to be saved? Do you know for sure if you die today, you're going to heaven, you have that assurance? Young person, adult, young adult, you know, who, do you have that assurance? Oh, I'm a member of the church. I've been baptized. That's wonderful. I've baptized people. I'm a member of a church, but that's not, I'm not going to heaven because of that. I'm Baptist born and Baptist bred. One day I'll be Baptist dead, but I'm not going to heaven because I'm a Baptist. I'm going there because one day I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Have you done that? Have you invited Jesus into your heart? Depending on him and him alone to carry you to heaven. You have such a burden on your heart and nobody else really might know about that but you and the Lord. Have you just given it all over to him and just put it in the hands of Jesus and let him take care of that matter? Maybe it's a financial need. Maybe it's an emotional need. I, I don't really know. God knows. But God visits his people and he comes to help us. And he'll meet your need today if you'll give him that opportunity.